Well, we're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 3, the first 13 verses of that chapter. I read from the New Living Translation. You can follow along in your song sheet today. The Apostle Paul says this, When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending His grace to you Gentiles, as I briefly wrote earlier, God revealed His, him, uh, God Himself revealed His mysterious plan to me. As you read what I've written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by His Spirit, He's revealed it to His holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving Him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the Creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display His wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was His eternal plan, which He carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please, don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. This is the Lord's Word to us. Let's have a seat together. Well, if you were here last year, you may remember that I preached from crutches. I had uh, attempted a solo skydive in July, and, um, you know, after a day of training and watching a number of people make it look really pretty easy, I mean, how hard can it be? You just jump out of a plane with a, with a bed sheet. I mean, that's about what it amounts to, right? Uh, well, I jumped and I landed poorly and I badly broke uh, my left ankle. And it turns out that uh, most of the skydive is pretty easy, but the landing is really important. <laughs> and that's the part I didn't do so well at. And, and the, the most frustrating thing about that day was that I'd seen a bunch of other people do this successfully, and they made it look easy, but I couldn't do it. And I don't know if you ever get that feeling that it seems like everything else seems to go well for everyone else. You look around, and, and it, others seem to have it better than you do. You know, maybe you, you marvel that... Boy, it looks like these people, they all have their life together. You know, or you, you know, maybe you thought, um, you don't understand why you seem to keep having problems and obstacles. Maybe you thought that, you know, you'd have your education done by now, or you, you figured you'd be, you'd be married by now, or, or you'd, you know, expect you to have kids by now, or maybe you figured you'd be able to retire by now, or, or, or you'd have lost that weight by now, or, or, you know, your health problems we figured out by now, or whatever it is, you just thought things would be better than they are, because it seems that way for everyone else. Of course, you don't really know what's going on with everyone else. They're thinking the same thing about you. And um, when things aren't perfect, we tend to look for someone to blame, right? And because you've heard the message time and time again that God is kind, and God is gracious, and God's just totally awesome, and your life isn't totally awesome, well, you kind of think maybe it's God's fault that this is the way it is. And even if the mistakes are your own mistakes, you, you kind of figure, well, wouldn't God have fixed those flaws by now? What's going on? 
But there's an important little lesson in, in what we just read from the Apostle Paul, based uh, really in that first verse uh, of Ephesians chapter 3. He says, I'm, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Think about that. He's in prison. If you're taking notes today, you can write this down. That hardship, I want you to hear this. This is good news. Hardship does not equal abandonment. Your hardship does not equal abandonment. Going through a hard time does not mean God has abandoned you. See, Paul's writing out of prison to these believers. But he's not complaining about it. Man, you guys, you have it all so good. I'm stuck here in prison. It's not that at all. He's content to know that his imprisonment is actually for their benefit. For those believers in Ephesus. Ephesus is what part of modern-day Turkey? He's in Rome, a long way away. But he's writing this letter across to them. Right, and you may be going through some challenges today or you've come through some tough times and I just need to remind you that hardship does not equal abandonment. God has not abandoned you. And it may actually be an opportunity for you to learn to rely on God more or, or maybe it's for someone else's benefit like it was for Paul or maybe some things that you're gonna, you learn and some character you're gonna develop through this time. But you haven't been abandoned. God's there with you in your struggle. But it is natural to compare ourselves to others. It's just what we do. It's how we're wired. And um, that's why advertising works so well, right? You, you, look, you look and you say, when, you know, advertising says, you know, look, everyone else has this phone or this car or this house or this body or whatever it is. You think, yeah, I got to be like that. That's how it works. And then in the same way, we kind of compare ourselves uh, you know, to others that, you know, in, 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 in a spiritual way, and we say, man, look at those people. And it seems almost like God might be playing favorites because it seems to go well for that one, but not for me. But I got to tell you this, God has no favorites. Look at verse 6, Ephesians 3. He says this is God's plan, right? He's going to reveal the mystery right here. This is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children, both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. God has no favorites. God has no favorites. He's not playing favorites. Let me uh, illustrate this way. I digress for a moment. I don't read a whole lot of nonfiction. I don't seem to find the time to do that, but I, I like, when I do get a chance, I like mystery novels and I especially enjoy um, the late author dick francis anybody read dick francis okay thank you jan we'll compare notes this week <laughs> should i tell you it's all about horse racing which is of course a world i have never been exposed to know nothing about but i i enjoy them because i love the suspense and the drama and trying to figure out who done it now a very practical person might come along and say oh you don't need to waste your time reading that book i'll tell you the ending i've already read it right that's not what you want. That's not what I want. I don't want you to tell me the ending of the book. I want the mystery. I want the discovery of, of what's hidden. Well, in the same way, you know, the Apostle Paul is talking here of a mystery that's being revealed. It's the mystery of God's reconciliation. And God has no favorites in who he reconciles. Over the past couple of weeks here, we've been talking about this great divide that we see in the, in the Bible, in the Bible times between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews were sort of God's chosen people, God's insiders, and the Gentiles were spiritual outsiders, and they were, they were deeply divided. And now Paul's revealing this mystery that God has, in Jesus, broken down that barrier between the two groups, and he's brought them together. 
insiders and outsiders, religious and non-religious, right, between the chosen and the unchosen. I don't know which camp you kind of find yourself or feel like you belong to, but both camps are invited to know God. We put up barriers, but God breaks barriers down. Now, why would God do that? Why would God include sinners and, 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 and nonsense? Why would God include insiders and outsiders in his wonderful, amazing grace that we just sang about? Well, it's because God has no favorites. Jew, Gentile, Mexican, Chinese, American, right? Light, dark, in between. God does not pick favorites. We're all invited to know him because he made you and he loves you. He sent his son to save you. And then you think, well, I'm not really that savable, right? Or maybe you think, well, I'm pretty good as it is. I don't, I don't think I need all this salvation stuff. But as you, we're going to look at verse 8 here in a moment. And Paul's hinting at something very important that even he himself did not deserve God's grace. Look at verse, verse 8. He says, though I am the least deserving of all God's people, God graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. You see, Paul, this apostle Paul, he had a history. Paul, um, and you may know this already, but Paul was a super religious dude. Paul had been, you know, he had attended the best schools, best religious schools growing up. He preached in the best synagogues. He was, he rose to leadership at an early age. In terms of the Orthodox Jewish religion, Paul was a, he was a rock star in that world, right? And in his zeal, he hunted down Christians, followers of Christ, the first ones, just in a matter of, of years after Jesus uh, returned to heaven, after Jesus had been on earth, he hunted them down and he persecuted Christians simply because they were saying, Jesus is alive, not dead. And he dragged them from their homes and he threw them in prison and he oversaw their deaths. Not a whole lot different from what ISIS does today, just maybe not as violently and viciously. But that's what he was doing. And then Paul in a vision, encountered the living Lord, the living Jesus. And everything changed for him. His life turned around dramatically. So instead of persecuting Christians, he became a believer and a leader of Christians himself. And here's what he's getting at there in verse 8. Your past, and if you're taking notes, you can write this one down. Your past does not need to decide your future. Your past does not need to decide your future. Maybe you had a bit of a rough upbringing and you think, you know, God can't really accept you the way you are. Well, listen, Paul was a Christian killer. That's pretty bad. And God saved him. There's nothing that you've done or that even has been done to you that's bigger than the grace of God available to you. There's nothing that you've done that's bigger than God's grace and bigger than God's ability to forgive you. If you started messed up, Guess what? You don't have to end that way. You don't have to end messed up. Don't, heard it this way just recently, don't let your past steal your future. Don't let your past steal your future. But then on the other hand, maybe you've had an amazing life. Things have gone really well for you. You've been really well behaved and decent and all around great American, right? Guess what? That doesn't decide your future either. Just because you begin well doesn't mean to say you'll end well. It doesn't get you into heaven. It doesn't get you into a relationship with God. You've got to understand that grace only comes by faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. You can't earn it. You can't pay it back. It's a free gift of God, but you have to accept it. You have to receive it. So I think part of that is just getting over our egos 
on this stuff. That my past does not decide my future, whether I, whether I, you know, came out of a, out of a rough past or an awesome past. Only my faith in Jesus does that. I have to trust Him. And my question to you is, have you trusted Jesus Christ? as your Savior. Do you trust Him right this very moment? Do you trust Him right now? Whatever you're facing, thinking about this coming this week, do you trust Him in all this that you're going to face in the days to come? I'm going to read a couple more verses. We just read verse 8, verse 9 and all following. Says, Paul says, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the Creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display His wisdom in its rich variety to all the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out in Christ Jesus. Um, Paul's kind of bragging here about the amazing things uh, that, you know, we have in God. And, uh, you know, God, our heavenly father and creator and, and just his immense, immeasurable treasure made available to you and me, regardless of our, of our background. You could say it like this. We get the blessings. God gets the glory. Or another word for that is God gets the credit. We get the blessings, God gets the credit. In the summer after my high school graduation many, many years ago, um, I held the illustrious job of dishwasher and pizza delivery guy for a popular restaurant in my town. I don't know what that is, because we don't see them just like that very often. Oh, they're just spying on us. It's okay. Church service and an air show, all in one. Isn't that cool? Let's let that go on by. Is that an AWACS? What is that? Thank you. Um, Well, in the summer after high school, I worked for this pizza delivery place, and um, it was a popular place, and I drove a 1976 Honda Civic, Sapphire Blue, Right, not the hatchback kind, the kind with the little trunk on the back, 12-inch rims, 1.2-liter four-cylinder engine. I tell you, that car was so fun to drive. Anybody have a mid-70s Honda Civic? Anybody else? Come on, work with me. Thank you, thank you. I was like, you had one choice. It was like driving a go-kart more than a car. Anyway, that's not really the point of my story, but it was just fun thinking about that. Um, but there were a few regular customers of that restaurant who who were known as really generous, really good tippers. And as a driver, you, we knew who that was. We talked about it. Word got around. Glory went to those customers. And you always hoped that you'd get that delivery when it came up, if it was on your shift. And, um, you, you know, you could, you could say it like this. The delivery drivers got the blessings, but the generous tipper got the glory, got the credit. And I know it's a very poor comparison to God, but... God does something similar with you and with me, right? He made, he's made his peace and his favor and his abundance available to you right now, plus all of heaven's benefits to come, right? Regardless of your heritage or your pedigree. And Paul says that God has done this to reveal God's own wisdom. God does this so that God can reveal God's wisdom to all the unseen powers and authorities from heaven to hell and everywhere in between. God makes that known. So, we get the benefits, God gets the credit, God gets the glory. We're the pizza delivery kids behind the restaurant, marveling at our $10 bills, right? While the unseen realm all around gets a glimpse of God's great wisdom. And so now, we see what Paul says in verse 12. 
It's just a great promise. He says, um, because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Boldly and confidently into God's presence. I would say this. If you're taking notes, you could write this down. God invites you into His presence. Or if you're writing it for yourself, God invites me into His presence. This is an amazing thing. God invites me into His presence. God, the creator of all things, the king of the universe says, come close. I want you, like, like Josh said before, God's not mad. He says, come close. I want you in my presence. Now, most people around you live, choose to live as though God does not exist, at least for no practical way. Most of us live as though we're kind of our own boss in life. We just try to get through. And then at some point of honesty or crisis or revelation, we have this moment of, of realization, wait, I think there's more. I think there's more to this. And some try to resolve that with more work or more entertainment or more alcohol or more pleasure or more religion or more good deeds or more vacations or more time at GB3. But none of that can satisfy because we're still trying to be the source of our own satisfaction. We're still trying to be the source of our own fulfillment. There's only one place of satisfaction, and that's in a relationship with God by faith in Christ Jesus. But the cool part is it's not a relationship of groveling or begging or pleading, hoping that maybe one day you'll just be good enough for God to invite you in. None of us could be good enough for God simply because God's perfect and we're not. So imperfection can never match perfection. It's just an impossibility. Instead, God invites you into his presence, right, into know, into a relationship with him to come boldly and confidently. It means you're not apologizing for, for it. And um, you could say it like this, that God has an, a, an open door. God has the ultimate open door policy with us. He's not there to examine your worthiness. He's examining the worthiness of Christ Jesus. Let me explain that one more time as we get to the end here. Jesus, the perfect son of God, right, sent by God the Father to die on the cross for your sin and for my sin. He takes all the punishment upon himself in that death on the cross. So now when I put my faith in Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus, God, you take on Jesus' identity. And so God looks at you as though he's looking at Christ. He sees the righteousness of Christ on you when he looks upon you. And it's so that it's on that basis, your faith in Christ Jesus, that you come boldly into God's presence. And Paul's particular point in this passage is that neither your past nor your future nor your background, nor your ethnic origin, right? Not even your mistakes or your bad decisions disqualify you from receiving God's favor. It's your faith in Jesus that makes you completely eligible. It's up to you to receive it. It's, it's up to you to then boldly enter his presence. And this all written by a guy sitting in a prison cell 2,000 years ago. Paul had discovered something that few of us ever do, that knowing God personally transcends every difficulty every hardship, every trouble that life can throw at you. Josh, I'm going to invite the worship team back. Uh, well, I just want to say this, friend. Your hardship today, whatever you're facing or going through, does not mean God's abandoned you. I want you to hear that. God does not play favorites. He doesn't like someone else more than he likes you. In your past, good, bad, or otherwise, does not define your future. 
God wants you to receive his blessings. God wants you to receive. God's a generous God. He wants you to receive what he has to give you. And in the process, he gets the glory. He invites you into his presence so that you can get to know him. And if you have never kind of had that experience of knowing Jesus, of coming to that place where you trust Jesus to save you, to forgive your sin and make you a new person. We call that becoming a Christian. And um, You know, you hear it different ways. Sometimes you talk about children inviting Jesus into your heart. Really, it's a place of saying, of responding to Jesus' invitation. Jesus says, come follow me. And we say, yes, I will follow with my whole life. If, if that's you, if you've never done that, today would be a great day to do that. So I'm just going to invite, we're going to close the prayer. I'm going to invite you to bow your head with me. And um, I'm going to give you that chance to respond. And it's not, it's not difficult. What you're, what we're going to give you the opportunity to do is to say, I want to, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to know how to have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. So as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, um, I'm going to pray and then I give you the opportunity to respond in that way. Lord, I thank you for today. Thank you for um, the way we can just have some fun today and relax a little bit and, and just enjoy company together. But we could, we're doing all this because you are the one who saves us. You've broken down the barriers. Lord, we're a pretty diverse group. We would never be together in this, in this way if it weren't for you. But Lord, you've taken us older and younger, born in different places, speaking different languages, and you, you've brought us all together. It's it's just a picture of what you do because you're so amazing and your grace is so amazing. And so I just thank you for that. I pray for each one. Lord, I pray for anyone that has not yet understood in their life what it means to know you. Even someone who's been in church all their life. God, I pray that you meet them today. And while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to give you that chance. If you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus today, will you just raise your hand and I'm, I'm going to get you connected with someone who you can pray with you after the service. Anybody like that today say, yeah, I, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to have a relationship with him. Awesome. Anybody else today? Good. And for the rest of us, our challenge is, right, can I live pursuing a relationship with Jesus, not counting on my past, not fearing my past, not counting on my own goodness or own righteousness, just trusting in Jesus. Just letting all this other stuff go. Say, Jesus, I just want to know you. God, would you just make that real for us today? Lord, we thank you for the fellowship. We thank you for the food we're going to enjoy today. We thank you for friends that are here. And we just want you to get all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.